The Productive Woman, Episode 370. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I have been looking forward to sharing with you my conversation with professional organizer, Geraldine Thomas, as part of our 2021 Productive Living series. We'll be talking about our closets, our wardrobe, and some fun stuff related to that. And you'll find more information about Geraldine, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 370. This episode is brought to you by Everly Well, a new sponsor for the Productive Woman podcast. And I would invite you to take a moment to answer this question. How are you feeling today, physically? If the answer is anything less than great, it might be time to learn more and demand better for your body. You can take control of your health and well-being with at-home lab tests from Everly Well. And it's a really interesting concept and new to me. Everly Well offers affordable at-home lab tests that give you trusted physician-reviewed results. You can choose from tests including food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, thyroid, and so much more. And here's how it works. Everly Well ships your test straight to your door with everything you need for a simple sample collection. And, you know, it depends on what test you get, what you're going to be sampling. Then you return the test to a CLIA certified lab with a prepaid shipping label where your results are reviewed by a physician and those physician reviewed results and insights are sent to your device, uh, in just a few days. Over a million people have trusted Everly Well with their at-home lab testing. It's just a great way to get information. And I'm a fan of, you know, collecting information that can help me make the right decisions about my health and well-being. And so the idea that you can take this test at home, send the results into a certified lab, and get the results reviewed by a physician and sent back to you is really appealing to me. I've actually ordered the um, food sensitivity test, and I'm looking forward to receiving and completing that and seeing what the results are. Cause I've, you know, I've been having some, some issues that make me wonder if maybe I've got developed some food sensitivities as I've gotten older. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll let you know how that works out. But in the meantime, for listeners of the productive woman, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test. If you go to everlywell.com slash TPW. That's Everlywell, E-V-E-R-L-Y-W-E-L-L, everlywell.com slash TPW to get 20% off your at-home lab test, and you can select from a pretty great variety of tests. So once more, that's everlywell.com slash TPW. I am so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Gerilyn Thomas. Gerilyn is a professional organizer, a career coach for professional organizers, and she teaches three classes for the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Her business, Metropolitan Organizing, was established 19 years ago, so she's been at this for a while, and she's based in Cary, North Carolina, here in the United States. She's published two books, and in addition, she appeared regularly on the Emmy-nominated TV show Hoarders, where she and team members compassionately decluttered and organized some of America's messiest homes. So if you've seen that show, you know what a task they undertook there. Geraldine loves lists, puns, the Oxford comma, and alliteration as much as she enjoys going behind the scenes for clothes calls with clients who not only have the right to 
bare arms, she clearly loves puns, but bare their souls as well. When she's not working, Geraldine and her husband of 33 years, Bill, enjoy their empty nest where they dote on their spoiled six-pound papillon, Pip, and their two grand dogs, Sally and Minnie. I have really been looking forward to talking with her about how our clothing and our closets fit into making a life that matters. So welcome, Geraldine. Thank you so much, Laura. What a treat it is to be here spending time with you. Thank you for having me. Well, I've I've been looking forward to our conversation just based on the materials you sent me and the the little workbook you sent, which we can talk about later on. I think I can learn a few things from you, and I I have a a suspicion that a lot of folks listening are going to enjoy it as well. Let's get started. I gave a little bit of introduction to you. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever else you think might be useful for us to know about you as we get into this conversation about simplifying our closet and our clothes. Okay. Well, as you stated, um, I am a professional organizer and I've been in the industry um, for, this is my 19th year, and um, I'm no longer taking one-on-one clients and going into people's homes. Um, Instead, uh, I'm now coaching organizers around the USA. So I'm teaching them how to start their businesses and not just organizers, actually small business owners, um, because basically the information is the same. But one of the things I have continued working um, with my former client base and new clients is decluttering closets and wardrobes and helping women build better wardrobes, more sustainable wardrobes, um, things that suit them for their current lifestyle and budget and the images that they want to project, whether that's networking on the stage, on camera, or just girls' night out or date night with a special somebody. You know, and it's so interesting because uh, that is very uh, relevant to this concept of productive living that this our conversation's part of that series that I'm doing this year. Part of productivity and making a a meaningfully productive life for women is going to be tied to our clothes. So I think this is going to be interesting to have a conversation about it. And I kind of want to go, I've struggled with this because there's so many questions I could ask you, but sort of two different directions that I want to talk about and maybe start with uh, the whole concept of our closets, because I think often Even those of us who are otherwise very tidy, very well organized in our homes struggle to keep our closets tidy and organized. And I think sometimes that's because we have maybe too many clothes for the space that we have. Sometimes it's because our closets turn into a catch-all for more than just our clothes. So whatever the reason might be, what can we do to get this under control and turn our closets into a space that serves us instead of a place that we dread going into because we're just frustrated every time we go in there? I always start when I have a new client and we um, go through a series of questions, mostly about their particular likes and dislikes, their goals. But the starting point for all of this is control what you can control. So take care of the things that can be done because to me, that's where productivity and systems and routines begin. And I know you had Carrie Lorenz on your show not too long ago, and she's a fighter pilot. I think it was episode 365, if I'm not mistaken. So everything she was saying resonated with me. I know she's a fighter pilot, not somebody working in people's closets, but um, it was very relevant because I thought that's, that's the basis of where I start with my clients. Control what you can control, mm-hmm. figure out what can be done, analyze your situation, and then together we'll strategize. We'll come up with what's working and what's not working in a very methodical, logical, non-judgmental way. As an example, maybe we'll talk about what's easily accessed. So frequently used items in your closet should be easy access. So whether that means getting rid of rickety closet doors or storage tubs that are being, you know, stashed under the bed 
or shoe boxes that are stacked a mile high, those are things that tend to keep people from using items as often as they might want to use them. Another point that I like to make with people is let's have an address, a permanent home, a location for everything that's coming in. So if you're out shopping and buying things, I would want you to think of not only the occasions where you're going to wear that and how often you'll wear it, but where are you going to keep that something, Mm -hmm. right? That's part of the master organization plan. Um, I think it's important to have a system for the things that you're acquiring. Scarves, belts, shoes, jewelry, tote bags, even receipts and tags, right? Sometimes we buy things and we, several of my clients like to consign things. So they'll use something for a short while and maybe it's something that was very expensive and they want to consign it. If they can prove with the original tags and receipts and dust covers, I'm thinking of like a handbag right now, that would be handy. But you need a system for keeping up with those or a system for what I call MIAs. And it's not missing in action. It's things that frequently need mending, ironing, alterations, or the S is for stain removal. Mm. Um, Where will those things be kept in a person's closet? Uh, A system for putting your dirty clothes away and laundering them or having them wash, dried, folded as service. You know, I know not everybody does their laundry. It depends what city they live in. Um, We need to analyze whether this person uh, prefers to hang their clothes, fold their clothes, Once things are put in their closet, do they want them organized by color or by function? And what I mean by that is, you know, I think Marie Kondo's show, she loves the rainbow things. And there's this little hand gesture she does like, whoop, everything goes up in size or maybe function. All your workout wear will be here. All of your business wear will be here. You're, you know, running errands, taking care of the children items here. And then even things like seasonal, right? If you know, we, nobody loves to admit this, but I can tell you after being in hundreds and hundreds of closets that lots of people have moth and mice and shoulder bumps in their sweater. So it's the no shame zone. So seasonal storage. And then going back to the strategy and having like the closet that you really want, controlling what you can control. I think it's important to have a full length mirror, excellent lighting and some type of hook to hang your outfits on so you can put things together and kind of have a look. That's a long-winded answer, Laura. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's, and there's so much there that I think is helpful for us to, to think about kind of the big picture of it. What do you do for somebody, you know, if you've, if you've got somebody listening, thinking, okay, I want to do that. I want to, you know, I want to take action to get my closet organized. Maybe the situation is their closet's just crammed full and they can't ever find what they want to wear. Aside from this sort of big picture, envisioning what you want and and uh, having these systems in place, is there a first step? Well, the very first step is I tell people, let's get your actual measurements, not, not guessing, not trying to figure things out. I I joke, you know, the old uh, measure twice, purchase once. And and one of the reasons is because more and more people are shopping online now. And because of that, if you don't know your exact measurements and your proportions, um, I use the example, if I, you know, went into a shopping mall right now and rounded up several women who are all five foot five and 150 pounds, even if they all wore the same, say, size 12, for example, their measurements would be different. Someone would have a longer neck. Someone would have a longer torso, longer legs, longer, uh, a bigger bust. Then we would come into, you know, even something like your calf circumference. Some women can't wear uh, boots pulled up because their calves are larger than whatever. But if you know the size of your calf when you're purchasing boots online, that helps simplify it. So measuring is probably the first place to start. And then the other one is to plan outfits. And I think a lot of women that I've worked with just randomly shop instead of it's fun, it's entertaining, it makes you feel good, right? It's a little dose of dopamine. But when you plan your outfits, it's a much more intentional, purposeful way to simplify your shopping. 
So I like to say, okay, let's make believe that you're going to a funeral. And I'm in the South, so it's really hot and humid. So if it's a summer funeral, what would you wear? If it's a winter funeral, what would you wear? Now let's pretend you're going to a baby shower, a bridal shower, a girl's night out, a date night, a very special birthday party. Somebody's turning, you know, 60, 50, something like that. And then I want them to go through their closets and see if we can put outfits together based on what they have. If we can't, we start making a shopping list and we acquire those items very intentionally. And once we have everything, you know, if it's a necklace or a scarf, a sweater, a cardigan, a jacket, you know, we would photograph it. And some women like to write it. We, so we just, I have a little chart. It, you can actually, your listeners can go to my website and get that free. There's a little wardrobe planning sheet. So I think things like that are helpful. Paying attention to people's proportions is very important. So I always say, if you can only have one color shoe, go for a nude shoe or a metallic shoe. Because when somebody who wants to look longer and leaner wears a black dress, for example, and then she puts a black shoe on the bottom, it sort of scrunches her down and shortens the the look overall. So a nude shoe helps elongate and lengthen the leg. So, and I love this. One of the things you sent me in preparation for our conversation was kind of a a workbook that you have that takes you through this process of taking your measurements and planning a wardrobe, putting together a wardrobe that's meaningful to you. And we're going to come back here in a minute to, you know, getting getting your closet to be a place that's useful to (laughs) you. But let's talk about about this. I personally have never enjoyed shopping for clothes. Um, even when I was, you know, young and thin, I just don't, I find it overwhelming when I go into stores and there's so much stuff there. It's hard to find things that look good and that fit well and, you know, trying things on and all of that stuff. You've talked about a starting point for simplifying that these days, certainly in these these times with COVID and everything, as you said, a lot of us are shopping online either because of COVID or just because our lives are busy and going out to the stores is, you know, a, a, it, it's just too time consuming. Aside from taking our measurements, which I like, I, it, that's a little scary to me <laughs> because, you know, you got to face the it truth. It scares there. everybody, but it is scary for lots of people, but they're just numbers. They yeah. don't matter. And I always joke with women that when their husbands or sons go shopping for whether it's a swimsuit or a suit, men don't get all emotional about this. They don't care what their waist size is. It's like, bring me something that fits. Let me try on a couple things. And then they leave very happy and content with their purchase. Women want to kind of hide those numbers, unfortunately. I'd like to destigmatize sizing in America. I think it's terrible the way you can be a size whatever in one store and then shop at another store and then it's a completely different size. Yeah, that's that's really true. It makes it frustrating to try to buy things, but it's it's also because of the the stories we tell ourselves about what that number means, it's demoralizing if you think, you know, you see yourself as a size, you know, whatever and you try on that size of a a dress or a shirt or whatever that you like and it it's tight. It doesn't fit because that manufacturer, that store, whatever you know, sizes things differently. And it, it, we could get off into a whole conversation about allowing those numbers to decide how we're going to feel about ourselves on any given day. Aside from this issue of measurements and all that sort of thing, what are some strategies you could offer for building a versatile wardrobe that kind of that suits our our individual lifestyle, our body without bankrupting us, without spending a fortune so that when we get our closet in order, we can avoid that experience of walking into the closet and, you know, seeing racks of clothes and feeling like we have nothing to wear. Because I find myself in that position sometimes, I think. And I've, I've done a pretty good job of decluttering my closet, but still I walk in there and I see things hanging. And I think there's nothing I... I want to wear today, nothing that I feel good about wearing. How do we avoid that? What are what are the strategies that that you would suggest to us? For instance, what what are the basics you think every woman should have in our wardrobe? 
I'm asked this question all the time, and I'm not dodging an answer, but I did put together a list of some basics, but they're geared more for people who prefer a classic wardrobe. And that does seem to be the majority of people that I've worked with and that I know a lot of other um, people who do this work with. So it just depends on what a particular person wants. So I do think it's important to have a cocktail outfit occasionally everybody has to go to something nice in the evening, right? So it doesn't have to be a dress, but it should probably be a dark color. And that is considered a little more formal. And I realize that people, you know, I've worked with people in Palm Beach, Florida before, and they love their bright colors, but let's just assume that you can only have one dress in your closet. I would recommend having a darker colored cocktail outfit. Now, again, I'm using the word outfit on purpose because the outfit means it's either a suit, a top and bottom, a dress, something like that, but something sparkly for your ears or neck or wrist. Um, Again, that's a matter of personal preference. A pair of shoes that go with that particular cocktail outfit and then some type of handbag or clutch. And this is where a lot of people have an aha moment because we'll put their outfit together or what they are going to make do with in a in a pinch. A lot of people don't go to cocktail parties, of course, right now, especially, but they will just grab their everyday handbag. And for me, that's where I jump in and say, no, no, we're going to find something smaller that doesn't contain everything, including the kitchen sink. So that might go on their shopping list. I think a pair of great fitting jeans that flatter and feel comfortable that we can breathe in and bend over. And for some women, that's a flare bottom. For some, it's a boot cut. Um, Straight legs right now, there's the whole controversy whether they're in or out. So (laughs) it's up to the person's, you know, uh, preference. Um, Some type of parka or cardigan, again, depending on where you live. An overcoat, of course, a daytime handbag. A nice pair of slacks that are thick enough if you need thickness to cover up, you know, panty lines, cellulite. Um, You just need a little more weight in the fabric. So those are kind of places that I would start. And before we'd even move into all of that, I would want to work with people and figure out what silhouette they prefer and what they're trying to hide because everybody has things they don't want to show off and what they want to show off. So we build that wardrobe based on someone's coloring so are they cool complected or warm complected? And this is, this is you know, I realize we could go off road here and start talking about decluttering people's closets, but these are some techniques for listeners to think about. If you're cool complected, you will want cool color clothes will typically be more flattering. Think about the silhouette. Think about the fabrics. A lot of women are sensitive to fabrics on their body. So lace feels scratchy or a wired bra or the one-piece Spanx might dig into the rib cage. Or if women have GERD, that is something that just ignites GERD. So things that are too tight. If they don't like to have high-maintenance clothes, you know, I recommend avoid silk, avoid linen. Those are things that always look a little more rumpled. And if you perspire in silk, it's not as easy to clean. And it's probably more expensive to maintain because it typically has to go to the dry cleaner. And think about what you're trying to hide. Some women don't like their neck or chest after a certain age. Some women tell me they can't wear high heels. Things have to have stretch or varicose veins in their legs or back fat. I mean, I could go on and on with what women have told me that they don't want on display. And that's how we start building our shopping list. Is that helpful? Yeah, I think it is. I think if I'm hearing you right, the point is there's not a right or wrong list of things you need to have in your closet, but whatever is in there needs to be built around you as an individual, not what you think necessarily you ought to have or you know, what the celebrities are wearing this week or any of those things, but thinking about your body shape and body type, your preferences, your coloring, all of those things and finding things that you, that you like, that you enjoy. 
I like the idea of, you know, you, you referred to it as a cocktail outfit, but as you said, even those who don't go to, to cocktail parties, um, still may want to go out on a date with their husband or their other, you know, their significant other or an evening meeting with a client or something like that. And you want to have something that you're going to feel good about wearing when we buy clothes. And I want to ask you this, and then I want to get into um, making space for these clothes that we get to suit us in our closet. Where do you recommend that we invest? What pieces should we be willing to maybe spend a little extra to get really good quality? And what sorts of pieces of clothing or whatever else can we economize on? If, you know, I, I personally don't have an unlimited budget for clothing. Um, so where where is my money best spent if I'm going to, you know, splurge a little bit, if you want to call it that? And where can I save my money so to do that? saving, let's go back to our cocktail outfit. That is where I think people can um, really save a lot of money. And and by people, I mean, most women in general who are not cocktail partying on the every weekend, right? So I say those are the clothes. They're not worn often and they're worn for shorter periods of time. So your shoes can be less expensive. That little handbag can be less expensive. That cocktail dress can be less expensive. The earrings can be less expensive because chances are they're only going to come out of the closet rarely. I prefer to tell my clients, encourage them to splurge on the everyday items Hmm. that they're going to be worn a lot. And I call them the workhorse pieces. And often these are functional clothes. And I'll give you an example. If a woman is at water aerobics five days a week or aqua exercise or silver sneakers, for example, to work out, I would tell that person to go ahead and invest more money in her swimsuit because she probably wants needs stronger fabrics that are going to hold up to the chlorine and the sun and the the daily wear. And it would be the same if she's, you know, doing some aerobics or silver sneakers, things like that. So yoga pants that are a little thicker that she can throw in the washer, not the dryer, Mm -hmm. and then uh, let hang. But if she invested a little bit more money in those, they would tend to be thicker and not see through and hold up a little bit better. Mm. For women that like to wear slacks, the slacks with a lining typically look a little nicer and there's a little more movement in the fabric when the person walks, which gives a, a little bit nicer, more polished look. So I would say, go ahead, if you find a nice pair of slacks with lining, that might be a little bit more of an investment, but you'll have them for a long time. Clothes that are cut on a bias and have interesting shapes or um, princess seams or darts, covered buttons, a handbag with a zipper. Right now, you'll notice a lot of handbags are tie, magnetic closure, flap over. It's because zippers are expensive. So if you see a bag, handbag with feet on the bottom and a zipper in proportion to the rest of your body, I would say snap it up and it's okay if it costs a little more because that handbag is going to be a home run for you. It's so interesting because the answer you just gave is not what I expect. I didn't expect to hear you say, if you swim a lot, invest money in your swimsuit. But but it totally makes sense that those things that you wear day after day that see a lot of use, whether you're, you're wearing them out in public or wearing them at home, uh, it makes sense that that's where you should invest a little more to get better quality pieces because they're going to hold up better. Uh, you know, for me, I I won't say that an item needing to be dry cleaned is a, a deal breaker, but almost because I want to be able to, and I wash a lot of things on the delicate cycle so that they'll last longer and I hang them to dry. But anything that has to be dry cleaned, for me, because we live, you know, outside of town, we kind of live in a more rural area. I'm going to wear it once and then it's going to go into the the dry cleaning bin and wait for weeks before I you know ever get around to taking it in to be cleaned. And so I'm not going to get much use out of it. And cost per wear when you let's say 
I'll just use a number I can work with easily. If you have a swimsuit and it's $100 because the fabric is just right for you and it holds you in all the right places and it has maybe bust support and all of those things, that $100 over two years of wear and tear comes to pennies per wear. Whereas the cocktail dress, if you spent you know, $150, $200 on it, and you're only wearing it once a year, twice a year, you know, cost per wear, the swimsuit is a much better bargain. Yeah, I like that. Uh, there's lots of things we could talk about there. Um, you have, as I mentioned earlier, the workbook that kind of takes you through this process of taking measurements, identifying your body type, and uh, all of this sort of stuff. Is this something that um, someone listening could get their hands on? Oh, sure. If anybody who's interested, uh, it's an instant download on my website and, and um, it's metropolitanorganizing.com and it's called the Wardrobe Wisdom Workbook. And I made this because of exactly what we're talking about. I started noticing this pattern with my clients I was working with. They were a little intimidated or they would use their weight instead of the measurements. And it was just a vicious cycle. The other advantage is, is I know everybody here wants to be more productive. So if you order pants or slacks and they come in, you automatically know after you've noted in this notebook, you can drop them off at your tailor and say, my inseam is this you know, amount when I'm wearing this shoe. So, you know, 32 inch inseam with this particular shoe, it just simplifies your life and kind of does um, nice things like that. It also helps there's a section where we talk about face shape and body shapes and how to figure out proportions and balance what might not be in balance, things like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of great information in there. And it really is, it's in kind of a neat workbook format so that you can, you know, make all your notes in there and, and plan your wardrobe using this as a, as a tool. So we'll be sure and put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and you can get a lot more information than we've just sort of touched on a few points here. Before I let you go, though, I, I do want to circle back to this issue of, of our closet. So we, you know, we start this process of, of building a versatile wardrobe that's going to serve us for the stage of life that we're in, our body type, all of those sorts of things. Uh, we got to put all that stuff somewhere. And if we've already got, as a lot of us do, a closet full of clothes that we're not wearing, we need to make space for it so that we're not frustrated every time we walk in there. And I want to talk just for a minute about that process of letting go. And and, and this sort of applies in a lot of area, other areas of life now that I think about it, um, because sometimes we accumulate, for instance, a lot of clothes that we don't wear. Um, and it's hard to get rid of them for a lot of reasons. Uh, I I went through a phase of life when I first started my legal career. This was back in the day where it was, you know, business attire. We, we wore suits. Men and women both wore suits to the office. And I acquired a, a wardrobe of very nice suits. Some of them I spent a whole lot of money on to get really nice quality suits you know, skirt and jacket and silk blouses and different things. Well, I hung on to those things for years, some of which no longer fit me. And, and most of which I never wore, be, not just because they didn't fit me, but because times changed and the office that I was working at at the time had gone to business casual. So I didn't, I needed to wear a suit very rarely if I went to court or had a, a meeting outside the office with clients. And yet I hung on to all that stuff because I, it, it represented an investment of a lot of money. Uh, so that's one reason we hang on to things or other things that you hang on to. And I know I'm not the only one who does this, who has a section of things that I love that I can't wear it right now because I've gained weight, but I'm going to lose weight and I'll wear that again. And so you hang on to that stuff. I did a, a few years ago, finally break down and got rid of bags and bags full of those uh, those, you know, business suits and things, um, because I thought it's silly. I'm not going to wear them and someone else could really enjoy them. But it took me a long time to get there. And so this is sort of a long introduction to a question. 
what sort of obstacles do you see in the women you work with in terms of letting go of the things that are cluttering up their closets? And how do you help them? How can you help us get past those things and get to that, you know, decluttered, beautifully organized closet that we'd like to put our our nice functional wardrobes into? Well, you hit the nail on the head. So the number one reason is I I paid a lot of money for something and that's hard to let go of. But I think something else I heard in your statement and I hear from my clients is it represents Mm. who you are. And sometimes people, I'm not saying this is true with you because you're practicing law, but those suits you're telling me no longer represent who you are today. And Mm -hmm. I work with women who buy what I call aspirational clothes. Like I'm going to wear this, like like I'll, I'll use a very specific example. Somebody buys several super dressy dresses, yet she's home with her children, four children to be exact. And that's just not their lifestyle. They don't go to really dressed up things. They're always on the ball field. They vacation casually. They like to camp. So her aspirational lifestyle clothes don't suit what she's, the life she's living. So those are two things to think about as you go through your closet. Um, I would say number one is, you know, try to donate. So good for you for donating and just trust. A lot of people want to control where they're donating, who's going to get it. Um, But I would say just trust that it's going to end up in the hands of somebody who wants it or needs it once you drop it off at the donation station of your choice. About investment, the pieces, once you've worn them, depreciate greatly. So unless it's a really high-end item, meaning big-name designer, you know, Lagerfeld, Chanel, something like that, it's not worth much once it leaves the store and once it's been worn. So it's kind of like when people appraise their houses. I know you're a real estate lawyer, right? They think their houses are worth so much. Right now they are, but um, typically we assign a greater value to things than other people do. But I would say to you or anybody listening, have you had an occasion to wear, I'd be holding something in my hand on a hanger. Have you had an occasion to wear this, but you've reached for something else? Mm. And typically the answer to that is yes. I I've had, you know, five occasions to wear it and I've always reached for something else or I've gone out and shopped. In my opinion, that might be something that could go to a donation center or consignment. I like to play a game called friends, acquaintances and strangers. We pull things out, we hang them on a garment rack or lie them on the bed. And I'll say, is this piece of clothing a friend? Meaning you wear it often. It was probably in your laundry basket last week because that's what we do with our friends. (laughs) (laughs) Is it an acquaintance that you pull it out once in a while when it's necessary? There's a special reason you're wearing that particular thing. Or is it a stranger? Like you haven't seen that thing on your body in years and years. So when women start thinking of their clothing like friend, acquaintance, or strangers, typically the strangers can go. And most of the time, I'm making this number up, but a wild guess would be 75% of the acquaintances can go. But don't let go of everything, right? If you go skiing once every five years, you will want to hang on to a ski sweater. So don't that you have to use some common sense here. Another question I would ask your listeners to think about is would your style icon wear it? Hmm. So a lot of times we see, you know, a celebrity or a news anchor or somebody, and we think, oh, she just looks so great. I want to, I want to dress kind of like her. I like that look that describes how I, that she personifies what I want to look like. You know, I always say, I love the clothes Adam Glass and dresses Oprah in. So she's kind of my style icon. She's dressy, classic, pulled together, but not frou-frou, not fancy. Well, As an example, if I had a buffalo plaid flannel shirt lined in fleece, if I held that up and said, would Oprah wear that? The answer would be an obvious, probably not, right? So if I have a whole closet of those things, I've either got to say, Oprah's really not my style icon, or these things have to go. Mm. And then one other tip, have somebody photograph you in this outfit head 
to toe, back, front, side, stand out in your driveway or on your, on your front porch, in the hallway, someplace that's light. And I think sometimes what we see in the mirror is not what's picked up in a photograph. And this is really important if you're going to maybe a wedding or some special occasion, because those photos are going to be around forever and ever, very long time. And you really do want to look your best. Hmm. I like that idea. That's, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of good stuff there. I think good questions to ask yourself uh, to help kind of get past that uh, reluctance to, to get rid of the things that I might wear someday. I think part of the situation for me, and, and I'm a little bit past that this now, but it still pops up from time to time. I grew up, you know, on the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, we'll say. And we didn't have a lot when I was growing up. And I think I developed a mindset of needing to hang on to things because what if I need it someday? And I've really had to work hard as I've you know, grown up and gotten to a different place in my life uh, to to recognize when I'm hanging on to something with that mindset, that sort of scarcity mindset to realize it, it has helped me to say, OK, if I turn I haven't needed this for the last year, five years, whatever. But if if I need it someday, I can I can get another one. If this is not the last, you know, I don't know, buffalo check <laughs> shirt with a fleece lining left on the planet or the last, you know, black dress or the last silk blouse or pair of jeans. It's not the last one left. And if I haven't worn it, I'm, you know, in X period of time, it doesn't fit me now. The fact is when I lose weight, I'm going to want to get some new stuff. So I'm not going to want to go wear the old things out of my closet. But it's really helped me to have that conversation with myself of recognizing when that's driving part of what's making me hang on to things that, well, what if I need it someday? What if I, you know, want it and, w and wish I had it and, and now it's gone? Um, to be able to let go of things, knowing that almost everything can be replaced. That's a great point, as well as I call it the one more squeeze of toothpaste out of the tube outfit. Mm. And one of the things, I would encourage people to do if they have that mindset is to imagine their best friend or their sister coming in the house and wearing the exact thing that you're thinking, I'll get one more wear out of this. I'll hang on to it for just a little bit longer. If you saw them walk in, would you want better for them? Mm -hmm. And then shift that to yourself, shift that thinking. So reframe it. Well, if I would want to see her not wear that sweater or that old silk blouse or those pants that, you know, have pleats in the front and aren't flattering, why am I wearing that? Why would I do that to myself? Mm, great point. We deserve better. Yeah. Right. I like that. Well, there's a lot more things we could talk about, but uh, I don't think we want this to be a two hour long episode. I want to make sure we will um, share links to your website and ways people can get a hold of you so they can learn more about these sorts of things that, that you've got some expertise in. Before we wrap up, our conversation here is, as I mentioned earlier, part of the 2021 Productive Living Series. And on this podcast, when we talk about productivity, um, which I think all of this really is re relevant to. We talk about it more, not just in the sense of, you know, checking things off our to-do list and getting lots of stuff done, but in the sense of making a life that matters as each of us defines that for herself. What does it mean to you to make a life that matters? For me, it means being content. And I I'm intentionally not using the word happy because I think happy can be overrated. I want to be content. So um, having a life that matters means being content. I know you're a fan. I heard your book review of Cal Newport's book, and I agree 100%. So also, along with being content, I want to be able to indulge in solitude. I want to have activities that provide meaning and satisfaction 
And I'm not somebody who has the need to document it on social media. I want to be a person who's capable of having conversations and interactions with people I enjoy and respect, you know, without glancing at my watch or my phone to Cal Newport's point. I don't want to be distracted while I'm having conversations. I want to um, make my life more meaningful by staying informed about the news of the day, but but not feeling overwhelmed by it. Mm. And having enough, but being able to care for and maintain the things that I'm keeping and serving my clients well and being curious. A a lifelong learner is, I guess, a better way of saying that. That's what my meaningful life is all about. Yeah, I like that. I want to ask you a question that I've asked pretty much every guest who's ever been on this show. We all have Uh, you know, systems and and tools in place to manage our lives. You're a professional organizer by training and and you have a a career and a home and you have systems in place to manage all of that. Even with what you know about organization and all those sorts of things, do you ever have a day when life just gets the better of you, it all gets away from you, or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed and if so, what do you do to get back on track? When everything's, you know, busting loose and I'm busting a spring, I acknowledge that it's happening is the first thing. Mm. I like to keep this saying in mind, and I, I won't get it absolutely right, but it's about to change the direction of a spinning object. You just have to change one small thing. So I like to pause in the moment. And think, what is something that I can control that I can change right now? Because there are some things that I couldn't change, right? It, when, when things go very terribly wrong. But there's almost always something that I can change. And that's what I will do right then in that moment. I will take a beat. I'll think about, I'll try to be analytical, pause, think about what can I control? What can I change? to make things a little bit different. And typically when I change one small thing, it sets off a cascading effect of other things that change. So that's how I approach problems like that. I love that. It's it's sort of getting back to Carrie Lorenz's span of control idea. Um, there's, yes. there's so much yes. value in that. Recognizing that there's a lot of things we can't control in life. Um, but we can always find something we can control. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Where can people connect with you online if they want to learn more about what you're doing or if they've got a question for you? What's the best place to send them? Well, I can be found. Um, I do casual chit chat on Twitter. So that's always kind of a fun place to, I always say Twitter is the break room, but LinkedIn is the boardroom. So I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm on Pinterest and YouTube. I have a Facebook. I'm not active on there. And I'm not on Instagram just because I deleted all those apps from my phone. I try to save time. I don't like the comparison game. Um, But really the best place for people to find me is my website. I've written hundreds of blogs for people about clothing and shopping and living a more organized life. So they're welcome to just come and check, check out some of that free stuff or send me an email. My contact is on my website. I would, I'd be delighted to hear from people. And that website is? Metropolitanorganizing.com. And we will put links to all that in the show notes. Before we go, many, maybe most of the women who listen to the Productive Woman podcast are looking for help, encouragement, ideas, inspiration, whatever, in getting things done and making a life that matters, as we were just talking about, thinking about how clothing and closet simplification and the things you and I've talked about today fit into that objective. Do you have any last words for the the woman who's thinking about that right now? Yes, I hope I hope she's motivated to declutter and then organize what she has and Maybe a nice tip because it goes along with organizing, right? It's not a one and done. It's a, it's a maintenance system. 
So I would say put together a little kit or box or bag or whatever, whatever's handy, but have some items that help you maintain and keep your clothes looking their best and um, will preserve them. That way, again, I like to be frugal about clothing. So I would want my clothes to always be as ship shape as they possibly can. Once the money is spent, um, there's no recouping it. So put together a kit, a, a little kit with maybe some things to treat stains. And it could be really simple, like some peroxide in case somebody has blood on their clothing. You know, sometimes you nick yourself or whatever. Alcohol removes ballpoint pen. Um, anti-static spray would be uh, very affordable and it comes in all different sizes and um, easy to put in your kit. Maybe some cedar blocks for those people that do have uh, some moth problems. Um, adhesive dots or hem tape. Um, sometimes life happens and we don't, <laughs> the one thing that we can control if we rip the hem of our skirt or pants is, well, I don't have time to take it to a tailor. I don't know how to sew. Maybe some little adhesive dots on the inside of your hem would be a real time saver. A sweater shaver, probably my very favorite tool. Um, wrinkle release, underarm shields if you tend to perspire. I know now people are getting Botox injections under their arms, but <clears throat> a much more economical <laughs> way thing to do is just use some underarm shields. And something simple like a lint roller or one of those adhesive roller things that kind of pick up your pet hair or dandruff or loose threads. So that that's what I would advise people to do. Put together a little kit and really take good care of your clothes. Great suggestion. And I know you've got more detail on that in the workbook we mentioned earlier. And so, uh, again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, in case anybody's interesting. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Laura, It's it's been such a pleasure. Like I say, I am a fan of your show. I enjoy your questions and your guests' answers and your book reviews. So this was really, um, I feel very, very fortunate to be here. And I hope I brought some value to your listeners. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I am truly glad to have had the opportunity to talk with Gerilyn about building a wardrobe that is useful and versatile and doesn't clutter the house and clutter our closet. There were so many questions I wanted to ask her, and I, I hope you found the conversation as interesting as I did. But I'd love to have your feedback. Uh, you can Share your questions or thoughts in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 370, or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's also a great place to continue the conversation about the things that Geraldine and I discussed. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. Uh, one quick reminder that if you're interested in learning more about your own health and wellness and, and gathering more information, you can get a 20% discount off an at-home lab test from our sponsor this week, everlywell.com slash TPW. So again, that's everlywell.com slash TPW for 20% off one at-home lab test. And let me know if you do that. I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you to share any private information, but I'd love to know your experience of working with Everly Well. And I'll share more about mine in future episodes. Uh, and thank you very much to Everly Well for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. Well, that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Gerilyn. I hope you found something in it that was helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Mm -hmm.